Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and today we are on location. I haven't traveled very far. I'm still in Beloit, but I'm not in uh, the normal studio. I am here at the Overflowing Cup here in Beloit, and I'm here with Pastor Dave Foggerud and his wife, Diana. And uh, welcome to... Uh, I'm saying welcome, but I'm here at your place. Well, um, we welcome you then, but, Tim. <laughs> so years ago... Um, I, I first moved to Beloit probably about 14 years ago now, okay. and I've been teaching at the school there, and uh, I think it was the first or second year I was there, a family there said, you've got to check out the Overflowing Cup ministry, hmm. and I said, oh, I have no idea what that is, and so they tried to describe it, and I was like, what? I, I... Well, eventually, we, uh, we started bringing students here, hmm. and uh, this was just quite the ministry, and Pastor Dave, you've got quite the testimony and so I thought this would be, you know, we need to talk about this on the podcast sometime. Cool. And uh, unlike most podcasts, I, I'm not here. I've got a, I've got a cup here. Now I, I'm thankful. You uh, now we're video recording this as well, and uh, we normally don't do that. But I'm, I'm appreciative that you've gave me this coffee cup. Yes. It's got water in it because yes. I don't drink coffee because I'm not mature enough yet. Ah, yeah, but this there. makes it look more professional. Sure. Yes, that's so awesome. I appreciate you making me look better. But anyway. Um, so uh, when I've come here with with, with students, uh, you know, I, I got to know you just a little bit, mm-hmm. and so I don't have notes in front of me today, because if there's anything I know about you, Pastor Dave, I don't have to pry information out of you. Um, you're you're not a shy, reserved person, okay. and so I, I'm kind of, and th- that makes my job a whole much, a uh, whole lot easier. And so uh, I, I I wanted to kind of just I, I've heard your testimony a little bit. But I know there's kind of more to the story, and when we come here with students, our time is limited. Mm-hmm. But here in the podcast, we have lots of time. Wow. And so I, I wanted to take the time and get to know you. And I'm a nerd, and this is how I get to know people, uh, is through the podcast. So, Pastor, do you... Well, where did you grow up? I grew up in... Actually, I was born in California. Oh. Um, my mom died when I was about three years old or so. Mm. And so we moved back t- with my grandparents in Massachusetts mm, okay. and so I grew up mostly out east mm-hmm. out in Massachusetts and then came here but well, I, I grew up in North Dakota so that's okay a pretty so, big different place <laughs> yeah you know? worlds apart it seems worlds apart uh-huh. so you grew up in North Dakota so tell us your story tell us your testimony first let's start with just how you came to know the Lord well actually I grew up in a Christian home I went to a good gospel preaching yeah. church uh, Bethlehem Evangelical Free Church in Cooperstown North Dakota mm. From the time I was born, actually, that's where my mom and dad were married in that church. After, in a Sunday morning after the morning service, they got married. Well, so anyway, <laughs> later on I came along, but uh, so I grew up in, in a, on a farm. I grew up in a wonderful, loving home, uh, perfect attendance in Sunday school for seven years in a row. Mm. But you know what? I was, I'm, we're all sinners, and I'm a yeah. human, and I was rebellious at. The, I was the oldest of five kids. I think, looking back, I was a little rebellious. And, but I always got to go to youth camp. Yeah. Every summer we had a Bible camp. And I think, looking back, if I want to be honest, I was more interested in going to see the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that feeling. You know, that, know feeling. that feeling. But you know what? The truth of it is, on a Friday night in June of 1956, there was a quartet ministering at the, at the youth camp, mm-hmm. or the Bible camp. And uh, I was sitting in the back row because I had to be there. But I was in the back row. Yeah. And, uh, but you know what happened? The Holy Spirit got a hold of me when they gave the invitation. Mm. And I went forward and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior at wow. the age of 14. 
You know, it just goes to show you can grow up in a Christian home, right. but God has no grandchildren. Yeah. I needed to have that personal relationship. Yep. Now, uh, so, you know, that was just as I was entering high school and then a little farm boy I was going to the big city of Hanover, North Dakota. Um, I was actually in the, the top 12 of my class. Well, there was only 12 in the class. <laughs> okay. See, I was a, I had a class of 12 as well, but I was six. Okay. But, all right. <laughs> I don't know where I was, but I'll never forget, you know, Miss um, Anderson, our, our teacher that had an orientation class in 1956, first year in high school. Uh, she, she went ahead and uh, had everybody give a little story about their life. Yeah. So I got up and I told the other kids, I said, man, this has been the most exciting summer. I said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I became a Christian this, this summer. Mm. And it got totally silent in there. I mean, it got so silent you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. But they respected me. I wasn't trying to be better than anybody yeah. else. It's just that, to me, that was a very real experience that I had that summer. Right. And I shared it with everybody. So... Um, they they recognized that all through my high school years. You know what? So I, I felt when the missionaries would come to church, I always felt as a kid a call. Yeah. I didn't know foreign missionaries came all the time to minister, and uh, their stories were so exciting to me as a kid. And then I didn't realize that I would someday be a missionary, but mm. a missionary here in America. Yeah. Other countries are sending missionaries to America, did you know, mm. sometimes. Because this this America country is wonderful, but it needs Jesus. Right, we're lost. We're lost. So anyway, um, life went on. I finished high school and um, went to Trinity College mm. down by Chicago yep. for one year. And um, um, the, the following year... Um, I decided that God moved me into the computer field. I went to a college down in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. There's a whole a story about Trinity College. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, okay, I'm, we got to hear the story. Yes, okay, yes. do you want to hear the story? Yes, we want to well, hear the story. There was like 300 kids, right? I mean, most of these were from... When a wife leans in and says there's a story, <laughs> yeah. that's always worth listening. By the way, I must yeah. introduce you to my wife, <laughs> Diana. Diana, yeah. and uh, she's a blessing. Um, I'll tell you how I met her. and uh, She didn't help me start the ministry, but she's very involved right mm. now. So anyway, um, yeah. So Trinity College. We Trinity College, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. guess what? Birds of a feather fly together. Yeah. And here I meet two other rebellious kids. So the three of us little musketeers at this wonderful Christian college um, kind of got, not in trouble, trouble, but, you know, we were not really following and reading our lessons. And yeah. we weren't really practicing what we should be. Our motive for being there maybe wasn't quite right. Oh, this is going to be good because I see Diana smiling. Yes, oh, she's waiting. listening. I'm, I'm, waiting. I'm waiting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, talk about uh, all the bad habits that you <laughs> learned. Well, because... I, I, I wasn't going to tell you, but the truth of it is, that's at this wonderful Christian college is where I learned. Uh, I, I mean, uh, uh, well, I drank a little bit. Um, smoked. Smoked little <laughs> cigarettes. Um that's pretty much it. But you know what the point is? The point is, <laughs> I don't know what the point is now. <laughs> She's tattling on me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we just want to get that out. Yeah, we got to get that out. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Um, that's not why I, I, I wasn't going the second year. I just didn't apply myself. Hmm. I got A's in, the, in, in English. I got A's in um, music. Yeah. 
but I didn't do so well in my history and my Bible mm. because I didn't apply myself. Well, they asked you not to come back. Well, thanks for telling them that. Well, <laughs> the truth just comes the truth out God. here. My dad and mom back in North Dakota get a letter, you know, from the school yeah. that your son won't be coming back next year. So that was mm. interesting. Because they could see he wasn't applying himself. Yeah, well, you know, it's all part of my life and part right. of my learning. Yeah. Um, it's part of what God uses. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, to make a long story short, I went on to get in the computer field then. Yeah. Went back to North Dakota after graduating down there in Des Moines, Iowa at the College of Automation. And guess what? There was only one computer in the whole state of North Dakota. <laughs> one computer. And it was at the, the Capitol in Bismarck. <laughs> one computer. So I had to get a job as a bank teller and a salesman yeah. and different things until I had the opportunity to get on the ground floor of, of starting a data processing system hmm. for a company. Uh, that was my life. I, and I was blessed to get in on the ground floor, designing yeah. systems, programming them, and punch card systems mostly to start okay. with. And, you know, you've heard of those? I've read about them in my history books. Yeah, 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 yeah history. But anyway, to make a long story short, I, 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 that was my livelihood for quite a few years. Hmm. And, but uh, guess what happened 10 years into my marriage? My first marriage. I got two wonderful yeah. kids, Kathy, Joe, and Keith. I'm, I wouldn't trade them for anything. Mm. Um, and then we had that family, little family, had making enough money where we could take vacations. And just yeah. a very happy life. Very happy life. So when she decided to find somebody else, and I went through a divorce, it was hard. Mm. Very difficult. Um, but it was during this time, like two years of separation and divorce, that that. I saw my children growing up in a broken home. Mm. And I think it's during that time that God, God put a desire in my heart to reach the young people. Yeah. I mean, now there's a lot more divorces, but the thing is, it was starting back in those days. Yeah. And I was a victim of that. And um, so I just felt a real call of God. Yeah. In spite of the fact earlier in my life, I knew I had a call. When it got to this point in my life, I knew I had to do something. Yeah. So I'm here to tell you, when you feel God telling you to do something, you better do it. Right. You, you know, that's what I learned. So guess what? I started talking about the coffee house ministry that God was going to call me to start. I was working in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and my good Christian friend, uh, he said, well, Dave, if you ever start that coffee house, if you ever do, why don't you call it the Overflowing Cup? It just clicked in my mind. Mm. So I wrote that name in, the, in my little New Testament. And, uh, and uh, you know... I, that was kind of where it stopped yeah. for a while, but um, as I would go home every weekend to visit my kids and uh, start talking about this call, um, I don't mean to talk so much about myself. I'm just saying, right. as I as I started telling people about this vision, my goodness, they caught the vision, mm. and um, I, my pastor at the Open Bible Church, Pastor D. James. Called me on uh, October the seventeenth uh, of nineteen seventy-three, hmm. and told me, "Can you go to the hospital and, and visit Pat and, and her soon-to-be ex-husband because their son was just killed in a car accident?" Oh. So that I went to the hospital, met with this couple, and prayed with them, and gave Pat my number because um, if you ever need something, give me a call, right? And. Uh, so to make a long story short, um, that was in October, well, at Christmas time. And in the meantime, God called me to move away from Beloit and go to Fond du Lac. And um, 
maybe I'm mixing up a little bit, but anyway, um, so um, I told Pat that if you ever want to get together and talk, give yeah. me a call. So at Christmas time, she calls me, and I wasn't knowing I'd ever be serious about her, and she called and was lonely. Can we get together? Would you like to get together? Well, I said, yeah, that's great, but guess what? I'm getting married. I had foolishly got engaged to another woman, hmm. and uh, that that took the wind out of her sails because she thought I was cool. She was going through yeah. a divorce. So anyway, in January, oh Christmas! Guess what happens at Christmas? I get a, I get a call from this woman, and she says, "Hey, you can have your ring back. Uh, my old boyfriend came back to town, and uh, we're, oh. we're we're done." <laughs> so, isn't that cool? So God works in mysterious ways. So I called Pat a few days later. I said, guess what, Pat? I'm not getting married. And uh, blah, blah, blah. So it developed from there. Yeah. And we became friends. And uh, we met with a common friend in January. And we started praying together about this vision that God had given me. And uh, three of us met. The next week, seven of us met. And we were just excited because yeah. God was answering all the prayers that we had. The third week, 13 of us met. And by this time, God was putting together people that were sharing this vision. Mm. And so that, that's where it leveled off at, 13. But um, that was in February. And uh, Matt, Pat was a legal secretary, and she helped form the corporation. Yeah. And we actually opened in April 19th wow. of 1974 as the Overflowing Cup mm. Christian Coffee House. Let's, let's pause there for a second. I want, I want to go back a little bit and just... Kind of recap some of the things that jump out at me as you're talking about that. Um, here you are, rebellious teenager, yeah. rebellious kid, yeah. um, even from a Christian home, yeah. and God uses you, and, and God and God reaches down, saves your soul at the age of 14. But it wasn't as if at that point everything is is bright and sunshiny and rainbows and unicorns and everything it yeah. still takes several years yeah. even decades for yeah. god to to bring you to the place where uh, of ministry where he can use you and i and i'm thinking as a, as a christian school teacher what an encouragement that is to me mm -hmm. to think i mean first off every parent listening should be should should realize that as you said god has no grandchildren that just raising your child up in a good Christian home, a nurturing Christian home, in a good Christian church is, is not enough. That there has to be a decision for Christ that can only be made by that individual. Mm -hmm. I can't force that upon anybody. Um, and there's always hope for that rebellious teenager. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's never at any point where we can just, that's it, I'm done. No. There's, a, there's always, God is always good. And God is always sovereign, and God is powerful, and God can reach. Uh, even you know, Ezekiel says, "Turn that heart of stone into a heart of flesh," yeah. at any time. And it's amazing how not only uh, God didn't save you in spite of all that, but God used all of that in your life to bring you to the point uh, where we're at now. So we're at, we're in April uh, nineteen seventy four, yeah. and the, and the doors are open. So. What happens here? So, what? Tell me, tell me about this ministry that God laid well, upon your I'm, heart. I'm just reminded of that verse. It says in Romans 8:28, "We know that all things yeah. work together for yeah. good to those who love the Lord and are called according to purpose." And I believe God's got a purpose for everybody. Right. But anyway, to make a long story short, then um, we opened on April 19, 1974, a coffee house. Mm. But because we're a street ministry, and by the way, we're interdenominational. Yeah. Uh, we want to work with all the churches and the pastors. 
because there's really only one body of Christ. Right. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so we guess what happened? Night number one, we got this wonderful black singer out of Freeport, Illinois, and it's, he's like a, it's just amazing. I hope I can connect with him again. Mm. But anyway, the first night we were open, in comes this drunk Indian uh, woman, and Pat was managing. She wasn't my wife. This was Pat Hendrickson was her name, and she was managing the downstairs where people could come in. Yeah. Because this was a little upper room. We had like a little upstairs with shag carpet, black and white shag carpet, red walls. It was really cool. But anyway, um, so while we're up there enjoying the music and ministering, this Indian comes in, American Indian, under the influence pretty bad. But guess what? Pat was able to minister to her and lead her to Jesus Christ. That was number one. So that was important. That was the first night we were open. Um, time goes on and... Um, uh, we started coffee house every week, but what, what I'm getting at is we found that because we're a street ministry, yeah. you have every kind of a need coming to your right. door. It wasn't long after that, three wonderful teenage girls had gotten so high on LSD or whatever they were doing, and they were freaking out, and they came in for help, and they had no home to go to, and Pat took those three girls into her home, Yeah, and she must have felt safe to do that. They were young and uh, I would take the men into my apartment uh, when they were homeless. So what I'm saying is, the week we started opening, guess what? We ran into people that had no home. Yeah. People that are going through difficult times, and and uh, so we did our best to help them. A little later on, then we started something called emergency housing. We rented a big house over on Park Avenue, and yeah. later some others, and we call it emergency housing. And later we'll talk more, but. This is, we had a house parent, and, um, and people, we'd put them up when they had a need. Yeah. And then in 1984, which was 10 years later, that's when the Harbor for the Homeless actually started. Okay. But in the meantime, we were still helping homeless people. Great. But we just didn't call it Harbor for the Homeless until 10 years later. Well, anyway, what was exciting, really exciting, I look back on the 70s, and there was such a, I, it's called the Jesus Movement, if you yep. look in history. Right. And I didn't even realize it, that we were really in the middle of the mm. Jesus Movement. You know? I didn't think anything about it because I had never heard the term. But as I look back, that's what it was. Yeah. People were hungry for something. They were hungry for a relationship. And that's why they were willing to turn to God. And that's when you had all these Jesus people, former drug addicts yep. and former hippies, coming to know Jesus, yeah. and then they were sharing the good news hmm. and reaching other people. One of the bands we had was the Resurrection Band out of Chicago. Have okay. you heard of the Jesus People? Yeah. Jesus People USA. And um, that's another whole story, but um, they had this big Christian rock and roll band. One of the earliest rock and roll bands, and it was pretty far out. But It wasn't acid rock and roll. It, you could hear the words. You could just get ministered to. But it was truly a heavy-duty rock and roll band. And um, people got saved as a result of that music. Mm. We, had, we had about a half a dozen high school seniors, I would say they were seniors, from the Beloit Catholic system. Okay. And um, those kids were hungry, and they were just searching. They heard about this coffee house, and they started coming to our concerts. Mm. Some of them were high. Some of them were a little bit drunk. But a few weeks go by, and guess what? These kids started to... Accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Wow. I see some of them today on the street. Some of them have died. But the thing about it is, 
not on the street, but I mean, some of them have gone on to be very successful. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just the Catholics, but I just thought I'd throw that out that there was a group of them that, that would come in to hear the music. Yeah. And my good friend, Doug uh, Townsend, he wasn't a Catholic, but here's the deal. Doug was an 18-year-old kid involved in um, LSD and all those drugs of the 70s. He didn't want to come, but his mother was a Christian, and she said, son, I want you to come to this new coffee house thing. I don't know. I would sit in the car. You go up, and he would sit yeah. in the car. But one night when the Resurrection Band was there, because he was into rock and roll, yeah. he comes up, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. It's hmm. so exciting. He's, he's my friend today. He's my friend wow. today. He went on to be successful in his life. And uh, um, anyway, he got saved at, at the yeah. overflowing cup. And, uh, you know, everybody's got a story to tell, but I, I just want to share a few of those things yeah. about it because the, that's what we were there for, right. is to reach people for Christ. And these are people that aren't being reached by other ministries. And these are people that oftentimes, you know, I, I think I'll just say it, oftentimes some of these people are shunned by other ministries. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't fit well in the padded pew church, right? Uh, suburban area. Um, you come in, you sit down with your Bible and you have your hands folded and you listen to yeah. a 45 minute men, minute message and you know and those people are not hearing the gospel but they're coming here yeah and they're being loved yeah. and they're being accepted uh, not necessarily accepted in their sin but they're as being accepted as images of Christ yeah. images of God coming in that need to be ministered to and you're you're reaching these people and they're they're hearing the power of the gospel the yeah. power of the Word of God which is the only thing that can save a soul like that. The only thing. The only thing. It's exciting, isn't it? And, yeah. and they went on, and, and, and we used to document, just for the fun of it, we had a little index card, and we would write mm. the names and the uh, address and phone number down of the people that would come to know Jesus, you right. know? And, uh, you know, we, we stopped doing that after about two years because um, it just, I don't know why, but, I mean, there was like 200 kids the first, first year that got saved yeah. in this little town. On the, on the flip side of that, as you're talking about that, is that uh, we have have had and still do have people that are not familiar or comfortable in a regular, more structured church. Yeah. yeah. And they get here and they listen to the message and they start, you know, and then eventually what has happened to many is we, we visit other churches and we'll go to a church and... Yeah, like Central Christian or or one of the others, and all of a sudden there's yeah. Larry sitting there mm. in the because they were at a point where they needed a little more structure. Right. They need a little more. So you know there are many men, members yeah. in the body of Christ, and so it works both ways. We all have a right. place to fill. And that's good because you know we're not this ministry. I say we. I'm, yeah, yeah. you're part of us. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, I say we in general as the body of Christ, we're, we're not in competition against each other. Mm -mm. You know, it's not, you know, we want, I remember walking into my church in Rockford a while back uh, when I was there. And uh, one of the first things that struck me about that church is they were praying for other churches in the area. Mm -hmm. By name, they're saying, we pray that they'll have a good attendance. Say, mm -hmm. pray that. that just kind of shocked me because we, we would never say it like, you know, we're in competition with each other. But there's kind of that that feeling there, mm -hmm. um, and there's 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 kind of that like, like that. Um, want me to dismiss here? Yes, that's ridiculous with me. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs>
That's At a great. At least you know that we're informal. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't say that we're in competition, but that that undercurrent is kind of there because there's a lot of ministries that you know you've you've got to be. We're doing it the right way. Yeah. And therefore, you've got to come here uh, because mm-hmm. that means that yeah, they're okay, but they don't. You know, yep. they don't have the shade that we have. We don't have the. The yeah. particular uh, aspect of whatever you know, that's right. Theology, and that's you know, it took me a while to break out of that idea. Um, when we first started, I, I, as we were getting ready to open, yeah, I invited every pastor in Beloit just to come up and fellowship and and, and meet up at the coffee house and see what it was like yeah. and share the story. Only two pastors came: my pastor and uh, another pastor. Mm. Oh, actually, the two pastors that I the two churches that I was involved in. Hmm. Nobody else accepted my invitation. Um, it's just sad. Yeah. Hopefully things are changing a little bit, but that that's the way it was. Then. Right. And, and, and I think there's a there's there's some perception out there that I, I and I think it's a wrong perception that if if you're going to come to Christ, you've got to come to us. Yeah. You come mm-hmm. here, and um, you get yourself right, wash yourself up, come in, and then you can get right with Jesus here. Whereas opposed to you know, you talk about street ministry. We're going out, and that's what Jesus said: go out into the highways and byways, and right. and, and come. You know, they, uh, uh, you know, others didn't accept the invitation. So you right. know what? Fine, forget them. You go out and you grab everybody you can and yes. tell them there's a free invitation. Yeah. And that's what the gospel is: a that's free it. invitation. Um, you know, Jesus came to save uh, not the righteous, but He right. came to save mm-hmm. the unrighteous. That's right. And so those who are in the midst of addiction, those who are in the midst, whether it's homelessness or for whatever reason, um, you know, those are people that we're called to reach, but sometimes we, we fail to do that. Yeah. Talk about when you started, and they were more like, um, th- that. What, what the reaction would be when you'd bring some of your homeless oh. people in, <laughs> and, and how we evolved into doing some services, why that was. <clears throat> yeah, well, we saw the need for homelessness right yeah. away. <clears throat> it wasn't too much later that we started that emergency housing. But yeah. when I would bring people to church, wherever I would go, in different churches, um, you're right. But it was later on when this one situation, <laughs> I brought about a half a dozen homeless people. They weren't dressed fancy. I went to a nice yeah. Christian um, a Christmas Christmas thing at a particular church. and. Uh, the usher wouldn't let us come in hmm. because they weren't dressed well enough. Oh, isn't that tragic? Hmm. But anyway, that's hopefully they've changed. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, that's not the way we're supposed to be. Right. And that led them to start like a start church at well, we the cup. Yeah. Yeah. But not to compete. Um, right. But okay. Well, later on, when we had the homeless shelter, that's when we started Sunday morning services. Yeah. Once we stopped the homeless shelter after 15 years, we no longer had morning services, but just Sunday night. Because yeah. we're not here to compete with the other local churches. But we couldn't get those homeless people t- to the church. They'd go out and right. come back at night maybe, but they were gone. <clears throat> so guess what? One homeless man by the name of Jeff, um, this is when we had our homeless shelter mm-hmm. later on. He was homeless, sleeping in his car, hopeless alcoholic. But he needed shelter. It was cold out. And uh, we loved him, and we told him that you have to be here for our activities if you're here on the weekend. 
and one is our Sunday morning service and our Sunday night service. Well, he didn't want to do that. I said, don't don't worry about it. You can sit there and sleep if you want to, but right. you got to be there. And uh, so he went along with that. And guess what? After two or three weeks, the Holy Spirit got a hold of him, and he made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, and he got delivered from all that addiction. Yeah. I mean, he became our one of our best staff members later on. Mm. You know, it's so exciting when you see God working in right. people's lives. It just blesses my heart. Mm. <laughs> and then Vicki, Vicki Chase, bless her heart. Um, she was our, our supervisor at her homeless shelter later on. Actually, before that, she was in our in our emergency house. Her and her husband were like our house parents. But anyway, Vicki, before she come to know Jesus, she lived in fear. She had a 45 and slept underneath the mm. table because she was afraid. She always carried a 45. And uh, so that was her story. But God got a hold of her. Um, actually, she came to us from Dayton, Ohio. Okay. When my, uh, my daughter married Randy Price and that whole family migrated here. A mm. good Christian family, they came up and they were really involved. But they brought Vicki along because she was their friend and she had gotten saved down there and she became a big part of it. So I had to mention her because hmm. we miss her. She passed away in 2010 and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit a pause right yeah. here because um, we've already reached our, our, our limit for this, for this episode, but I, I wanna stick around and I wanna record another episode here. So join us back next week. Diana, you, we haven't heard your part of the story yet. She'll so be we, sharing. So yeah. we wanna jump, jump in with you next week. And so our, our recommended resource, of course, is the the overflowing cup and, and pastor dave real quick i'm sure um if you're like any other christian ministry you could use a donation or two oh yes in fact you could go to our website yep. overflowingcup.org overflowingcup.org and uh you look at the menu you'll see how to donate yeah. safely through paypal or you can mail it to our you know peel box too so we'll have that link on our website so um join us back next week as we're going to continue the story so until then, check out our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. We'll have all that info on you, uh, uh, for you there. Also, check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all that stuff. So until next week, have a good rest of your week. Thank you, my friend. <laughs>